This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MQ1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Tons. As always, I'm one of your three co-hosts, Liam Connolly, and alongside me in the call this evening, we have a second co-host, Ross Duffy. Uh, Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks, mate. Good to hear. And as always, also, uh, Joe Freeze is joining us, the third co-host. Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, all good, all good. Can't complain yourself. Yeah, yeah, this it's busy as usual, man. It's all three of us are just busy, busy. Um, but yeah, looking forward to chatting with Don's. There's lots to talk about tonight. Of course, a new signing through the Dawn deadline day in uh, Peter Chioso. Of course, returning Don to the club. Uh, we've got acting game to review, the Burton games to talk about briefly, and then, of course, the Cheltenham preview to talk about for Saturday. So we'll start in that order. Uh, Peter Chioso joined the Don's. Returned to Don, to say sorry. Uh, loan from Luton Town. Uh, right wing back predominantly. Um, I think that's a position that we've well, watched the Dons this season. It's a position where the players in it have struggled to really nail it down in terms of their performances. Uh, and Peter Coho's come into a bit of competition to that position. Of course, Josh Martin's gone back to being more of an attacking midfielder now, as we've seen against Burton midweek. So Curious is going to come in to fight for that right wing back position alongside Tanai Watson. So, gents, I see a lot of reaction to this signing with Kyoso being a former Don and now back to being a current Don. Uh, so, Ross, what are your thoughts on Peter Kyoso returning to Milton Keynes? Um, on the pitch, I don't know much about the lads, so I'll probably leave that to you you, you two boys. Um, but off the pitch, the reaction from Luton fans, it seems like um, he was actually a good player and um, he was competing in that Luton squad and for one reason or another, obviously didn't work out. Um, obviously, Nathan Jones is quite a strong character. So he likes um, his players to do certain things and maybe maybe he just didn't see that at the end of the day. And um, yeah, he had some uh, depth at that wing-back uh, spot. I'm interested to see how he gets on the pitch. 
Yeah, my understanding of the Kyoso signing is that he's very good defensively, which is a good thing. Obviously, he's a he's a defender predominantly, although at the right wing back position, he'll be playing more of a attacking side as well. But I think it is that attacking side for me that needs a bit of work. And I suppose that's the role of Manning and Co to, to work on that. Um, you know, Kyoso is quite a physical player. Um, you know, if you if you actually it's a good point to mention if you haven't read it already, uh, the analysis from uh, LTFC analysis or Dylan was absolutely excellent on Kyoso. Um, I think I retweeted it yesterday on the podcast account, uh, but I'll link it in the podcast description as well. If you haven't read it, it's a good analysis into how Kyoso's got on since uh, leaving, of course, Milton Keynes to go to the likes of Northampton, Bolton, and of course Luton. But yeah, as I mentioned, I think I think it's the attacking side of his game where he needs to work on. Um, his crossing's fairly good from what I understand. It's just it's about beating a man. And I think Tanai Watson also struggles with that a little bit as well in terms of, you know, making those great decisions in terms of and knowing what's in the right areas. Um, so maybe both of those players are on a similar path in that case. But I think it's fair to say that Kyoso, from what we've seen so far anyway, is a bit more talented defensively than I've seen of Watson so far. But of course, that could all change. Um, Joe, what were your thoughts on Kyoso rejoining the Dons? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was brilliant. As my uh, personal, I, I co-owned my business with Ease and massive Luton fan. And uh, yes, it's fair to say he wasn't happy at all. Um, by all the sounds that he's sort of an all-action. So he, he, I think he scored six goals last season uh, at Bolton and Northampton. And um, he can also fill in at right centre-back. So that, like you say, it just shows that he does have that bit of stability. But one thing that really struck me when uh, he played for Northampton at our place last season in that 4-3 game, I believe. And um, he's he's so powerful and he's, you know, most people will struggle to beat him in a foot race. And I think when you're playing so high up the pitch, I think that's quite a crucial asset to have. And I don't think Watson's necessarily done anything wrong, but I just think that this is just a step up. And it's really, you know, if you had to pick like two or three positions where we needed you know, a, a new player, you'd maybe say that that the right wing back was probably the one. Um, I think a lot of the team, it picks itself. But now, yeah, it's um, really, really good to see that they've identified that area. And, um, you know, like like with a lot of signings, looking at the re- reaction of the club he's departing is always a, <clears throat> a pretty good indicator of, of what you can expect. So, yeah, happy days. Yeah, looking at the uh, opposing club's tweets, the, the player leaving has been a, been a pretty common theme, hasn't it, for us this summer in terms of the players that we've signed and seeing our why are we selling him, why is he left, you know, should be keeping him in the squad. So Anyone yeah, but I, Milton Keynes. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, especially from a leader perspective. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really positive sign. As you mentioned, Joe, you know, he could be a real force in the league. Um, but, you know, in the, the day, he's, I think... Um, it's a perfect situation, really, for Manning to and the coach to have to work on him and, you know, see tweaked bits of his game that I think need a bit of tweaking, but definitely a really promising prospect. And, of course, having existing relationships in the squad with the likes of Cat, as I've seen on social media, you know, it's a good thing. You can embed in quickly and, uh, yeah, get back to familiar surroundings. So, of course, with Kyoso signing, um, that was the end of the window, pretty much. Uh, no outgoings on the day. So, that sums up and Milton Keynes' business anyway for the summer window. Uh, of course, January will come around really soon, but for now, that's us done. Um, 
so we asked you guys and uh, also, also asked the other gents as well what your thoughts were on the window in general and you know what if you had to give it a grade potentially what would you give it uh, so we got a load of responses thank you for everyone for those uh, we'll kick it off with Peter Sawyer who said he'd give the Dons a B plus the windows this this summer window um, he felt it's a bit light at wing back on the wings um, I think with the Kyoto signing I think I think we're okay now I mean, maybe left wing back I suppose Dan, if Dan Harvey gets in maybe we're looking at a bit of an issue there but I think um, you know I think we're okay out on the wings down, running down the wing yeah exactly I think, I think, yeah I think Alunga can come in from here and there especially in the, the Papa John's games and you know give Dan Harvey a rest admittedly Dan Harvey played against Burton but I think yeah I think Alunga on the left hand side will be okay uh, Alan Slade mentioned how he thinks it's a pretty uh, well-balanced squad now. Uh, most League One squads, you know, could be affected by injury crisis, but it feels like, you know, even if even that was the case for us, fingers crossed it's not. Uh, you know, the squad's balanced enough to deal with that sort of situation. Uh, who else have we got here? Luke Payne. Uh, Luke, one of our free, free ticket winners on FanHub. Congratulations, Luke. I'm sure you'll be looking forward to going to Don's game on that. Uh, he gave us an A. So the highest grade so far, he said, it feels like we've replaced everyone. We've lost and covered all the positions we needed to. And as as Alan mentioned, a well-balanced squad of quality and depth across the pitch. He said he maybe like another centre back in, um, maybe a direct backup back up to a Darling. Um, and yeah, I thought that's fair enough. I mean, Aidan Baldwin was we yet to see. I think the true potential Baldwin yet, whether that could be in the position of Darling, who knows? But. It's an interesting comment to make there. And uh, finally, from John Hunt, he mentioned, uh, squad's looking good. The best transfer for Russell Martin out for 400k. I find that quite funny. Um, okay, actually, one more, one more. Why not? Uh, Neil Neil Pedal gave us a B. And he's got no, no squad's ever perfect, but I think it was a very good one. Uh, all the new signings have began promisingly and have done well to keep some of the players who might have lost previously. Uh, so there we go. That was a summary of some of the comments. Uh, thank you very much for all of them i think if we sat, we sat here all day looking at all of them um but yeah those are some of our highlights so i pass it over to the gents and i'll start with yourself joe um you have to give a grade but overall what did you think of the don's transfer window yeah well i mean if i was pushed to give a grade i'd go b i think you know without being too nitpicky i think that if you look at the squad as a whole it's great but maybe you'd have preferred one or two more of those loans to actually be permanents, if that makes sense. Uh, just because you go more just looking forward, you've then got a, a bit more stability, perhaps. Um, but I, I, I've got a, like a little a spreadsheet and I've wrote out all, all the positions and we've pretty much got two players for every position. We've got six centre-backs in, you know, Warren O'Hara, Baldwin, Darling, Davies, Jules and Louis. We've got six players that can play that central midfield role. Uh, Cass, Josh, Matt O'Reilly, uh, Hiram, uh, John Freeman and Ethan Robson. Uh, we've got three that can play just behind the striker. You've got Josh Martin, Scott Twine and Lewis Johnson. And we've got five really good striking options as well. And then you've mentioned about the wing-backs. And, and, and you know, we know the goalkeeper department's uh, fairly well stocked. Um, so I think, you know, not many teams could genuinely say that they've got two players for every position. But, you know, I feel that we probably do know what our strongest team is, but I don't feel that we drop too low of a level. I mean, we saw it last night in the in the checker trade. Uh, oh no, sorry, it's the Pap- Papa John's, isn't it? Uh, how could I forget? Um, I know. <laughs> we saw last night. I think it was eight changes, and yes, yeah. I mean, okay, it took them a little while to get going, but there wasn't really that much of a drop off, which you know we'll come on to. 
later on. But I think that just shows you the strength of the squad. Um, and you, in, and it's such a great asset that Manning's got that, you know, if, if for instance, Kasumu's, people are saying, well, what's where, where on earth are Kasumu and Max Waters going to fit when, when they come back into the squad? Because we're seemingly, you know, got quite a nice settled team at the moment. But all of a sudden you've got, these two players coming back and you're like, oh, right, how do we fit these in? So I think there's a few headaches on the horizon for, for Mr Manning. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, it's a cliche. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, most definitely. And, uh, of course, it's it's worth mentioning that Jack Davis is actually on loan at Oxford City. I forgot myself when I posted the graphic. Um, but, yeah, he is on loan there. So five centre-backs. Uh, but, of course, Jack will be recalled back uh, in January. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think it'll be fine either way, regardless of whether it's five or six. Uh, Ross, five for three. Oh, sorry, no, go, sorry, carry on, Joe. Uh, I was gonna say, it's five for three positions, so we'd need two of that back line to be injured to really start being in some trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm sure if not, uh, Liam tweeting, uh, tweeting for tweeted, we'll be uh, straight on the case, uh, getting another centre back in. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on the window? And if you have to give a grade in it, why not give us a grade? Um, I think it's it's going to be quite controversial. I think it's one of our best ever squads we've had on paper. Um, obviously, once Fraser left, I know I was one to um, put my head down. I should have really trusted the board, but we know what uh, Milton Keynes are like. And um, obviously, we've got Twiney in. And beyond that signing, I think we've only strengthened in every position, really. And if I was to be picky... I'd look at the goalkeepers. Obviously, with Franco and Laurie, I don't feel like they're 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 out the back playing goalkeepers. I do, I do worry if Fisher did get injured, they'd probably struggle. But time will tell. Obviously, um, I'll probably give it an A. I think you'd have to be really picky to um, to say any lower because obviously um, there's competition all over the pitch. As Joe's just mentioned, obviously the performance um, yesterday didn't didn't drop too much, and we got the win at the end of the day. Um, but I just feel obviously fans need to realise we haven't really got any high wage players. Well, from what I know, and if you're looking at the Ipswiches and Sunderlands, you're looking at all their top players. They're probably on five six k a week, and that's where egos start to build within the squad and. From what I've seen and the, all the presses I've seen and watched, it seems like we've got a group of players which are actually happy and get along with each other. And obviously going into a dressing room, something like that, it's a dream for every player, really. And um, the way we've started also in this season, especially, just goes to show that um, it's a positive envi- environment to be around. Yeah, most definitely. I think I think A grade is very fair. Um, I say a few, a few people with I think I think B's is as you mentioned also, a little bit harsh I feel considering what what the transformation has actually happened in this short period of time I think you know it's it's got to be up there in terms of grades I I gave it a B plus um, fairly similar thoughts to both of yourselves um, yeah I, I saw a few people mention the keeper department I'm not I'm not overly worried um, you know of course, we've we had a little glimpse of what could happen, but I think that that experience was very clouded by uh, external factors that couldn't be in control by ourselves. Um, and yeah, I think I think Fish is absolutely excellent, but 
I'll, I'll have a bit more faith in Laurie stepping up um, after he's had a lot, lot more time to work with Manning, work with uh, the coach, the staff there to, um, you know, benefit off of that. And of course, left wing back, maybe bring someone in if I was being really that picky. If it wants to bump up to an A or an A, a, a plus, I think getting a backup for Dan Harvey, you know, could be a thing that I'd address. But, you know, it's it's very, it's very, very borderline stuff that I don't think is a massive issue at all. Um, so yeah, very good transfer window. And yeah, I think as Ross mentioned, borderline the best time we've ever had, I think, in terms of the players that were brought in and and considering who we lost as well. Uh, so yeah, very, very happy. And um, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the season. And uh, I'm sure Manning will, well, I'm sure he'll look to get some players in January if he feels the need to. And um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be brilliant again. I've got the average ages of this squad as well. Um, so the goalkeepers, average age of 25.3. The defenders, 23.7. Louis dragging that average age up a little bit there. Um, the midfield, 23.6. Uh, the attacking midfielders slash wingers, 19.4. And the attackers, uh, strikers, 21.8. And overall, that's 22.74 on average in, in that team. So I think it's just uh, it's quite exciting to see where they all are in terms of their personal progress a year on. So, And we have got a little bits of experience in there, but just plenty of exciting young players. Who have you got in the um, attacking mids and wingers to make the average age 19? Was 19.4, did you say? <laughs> So, yes, yeah, Scott Twine is 22. Brooklyn okay. Alunga is 19. Josh Martin is 19. Matt O'Reilly is 20. And Lewis Johnson is 17. <laughs> oh, okay. That so that, that that would, but, yeah. but even then, it would be, you know, about 20. So it will say it's around 20. But yeah, the whole squad, 22.74. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, if, if you think, you know, where are they going to be, some of these players going to be in a year or two's time, it's quite exciting how much uh, some of these could be potentially coming on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, probably saw a lot of that starting and telling it's Accrington on Saturday, uh, a 2-0 victory. Uh, to be honest, it, it, we all knew it was a frustrating game to watch. We said ourselves, you know, it's it's not going to be a, a game you're, you're going to really look forward to in terms of a viewing experience. And I think everyone, well, the majority reflected on that after the game. Um, I think the more I saw goal at the end of the first half was, a real, real, real key pivotal moment in that match. I think probably the pivotal moment actually, you know, going to going into halftime nil nil. I think it would be very difficult for Dons to, for for me anyway, try and find a way through that because team who you know, a bit more fresh legs and a bit revitalised after going into halftime nil nil. But that moment of quality from Ice really changed the whole game. And I think we saw a different side to Accrington in the second half. A really frustrated one and a. I think that's why we saw a certain action to some of their centre-backs and players in general throughout the game who I think, you know, felt they played or the, or the plan went really well. But one moment of quality from, you know, a player like Isa who we spent the yeah, X amount of money on, you know, was the difference in the end. And of course, the goal from Matt O'Reilly was just some brilliant work from Hiram to build up and allow, allow the time for Matt to come in and finish it and get back-to-back goals for him, which is excellent. Good to see him get back on the score sheet again and you know be amongst the goals in general. And a really positive three points. Um, yes, people will say it wasn't the best performance in the world, but I think out of the results we've got so far, I think this is the biggest one uh, for me. I don't think, I don't want to say we should expect to not win these games, but I think if I look at the season as a whole, when I look at teams, we probably shouldn't be beating. Accrington are fairly up there for me. Um, they're not a team that we really should succeed against. So the fact that we have and have done so pretty comfortably is, I think, a real sign for us to 
push on this season. Um, and I'm interested to see whether you boys agree. Uh, so, Ross, give me your thoughts on Aki at home. It was a bit of a slog, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, as you say, Liam, it was just frustrating to watch, but that's the game plan of a John Coleman side at the end of the day. Um, they man-marked us, didn't allow us space, and we knew how pivotal, pivotal them midfielders would be for us. And fair play to them, they didn't let us have an ounce of space. And then, obviously, you get what you get, get given with Elsa. Um, it was class. One one chance, one goal. And at the end of the day, you pay pay that sort of money and he's rewarding you with them sort of finishes. So, um, yeah, the goal made Aki come out after half-time and try and press us. And that allowed us a bit more space and break on the counter. And then, obviously, Haram taking the gamble um, on the loose ball. And then um, he knew that a runner was going to be coming into the box. And obviously... Anyone can say that Matty O'Reilly should have finished that, but it's a lot harder than what you think. He's got a man behind him, a couple of metres behind him, and then um, he's still got the keeper to beat, and he put it in the side net, basically. So uh, credit for such a young lad. Um, and, yeah, it, if you look on it a whole, kept a clean sheet also. Something we needed, or that back line needed especially, because obviously at Ipswich, there's a few individuals um, who didn't, who were subpar, I'd say. And yeah, they stepped up and we didn't really give Accrington anything to sniff at, apart from that one shot, which they probably should have scored. Um, but at this level, it's fine margins, which cost you at the end of the day. And I feel, especially with John Coleman's interview after the game, just shows that they were frustrated. And it's actually pleasing to hear this because of, I know it's, I know we can say, oh, what ifs, but under Russ, would we have won this game? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, Joe, you in agreement with that? You know, under the, the the previous regime, you know, we probably wouldn't have been as purposeful and as you know direct with some of our play. And you More know, would, the would it cost side that game? for me? Yeah, and the physical side. Yeah, would it would it cost us that game? Do you reckon? Yeah, Ross has just stolen my opening line of what I was going to say. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, last season we wouldn't have won that game, and we probably would have, you know, knowing our luck, one of them two one on ones that that Quinton had, it would would have. Um, would have, would have maybe nestled in the back of the net and we'd lose that 1-0. Um, but I think, yeah, one thing that really pleased me about the game is you mentioned about how, you know, first half they were just frustrating us and we were trying to play it out, but we were just having no luck with that. And it wasn't necessarily a plan B, but it was just to get past the first press rather than passing it, you know, through the thirds. You know, we were just getting it straight into the midfield area. And, you know, we weren't, we weren't fighting for second balls or playing possession. We still had, you know, good, kept the ball well. But we, we were, you know, Fish was playing a lot more longer. Long, it wasn't hoofs, it was longer passes to players in space, opening up the pitch. And that meant that, you know, they weren't able to implement their man marking uh, as well. And it was that moment, I called it an Henri-esque goal, Thierry Henri-esque goal from Moisa. It was that bit of quality that, you know, I've seen some people maybe say that he doesn't necessarily do loads and loads in the game, but I don't think he detracts from our play, that it's just sometimes he's maybe just not as involved. But those sorts of moments are wise in the team because he only needs that one chance and he, he, he takes it. And that's the difference. That completely changed the game. It was, you know, it was a great time to score. And the second half, it was a different game because all of a sudden Accrington are coming at us and, they're nowhere near as um, 
you know, as secure as what they were. And, you know, there was that that time, I think it was four of our players going through and uh, I don't know how the guy stayed on the pitch, but, you know, he just hacked down Ethan Robson. And so, you know, we, we did have more chances on the break to score as well. And I think that's a great position to be in where you're almost, you know, you get that crucial first goal and then you're just in a position to be able to pick off the teams. And yeah, I agree. That, what a finish from Matt O'Reilly. And uh, it's actually three games in a row he scored. It's just happened to be that one of them is a bullet header into his own goal against Burton, unfortunately. <laughs> You're not sure if we count on that one, but you know, if you count on it, you count on it. Um, I think, uh, Ross, you mentioned you know, a few players that were a bit you know, subpar against Ipswich. Um, I hate to bring it up, but I think I think Lewington is one of those people. Um, and I think on Saturday's action, he's really back to his best. I felt he led by example in that performance against Hackey and I think I think that first half he really he really pulled us through it because I think without him on the pitch, you know, you're looking at maybe Matt O'Reilly's example of this, but you're looking at certain players like you know who's gonna who's gonna drag us through this. Well, you know, you look at Riley, you look at Darling, um, but yeah, I think Livingston only lost the ball about ten times. I think I think it was ten um, against Aki, which you know for for a player who likes to play at the back and you know has a lot of the ball pretty much is a he's very good. Um, so. Ross Lewington, what did you think to him on Saturday? Back to his usual best. Um, it's rare Louis has a superb performance, and when he does, he drop he drops a real clangor. Um, I think he's just that type of player. Um, it wasn't really an issue to me against Ipswich because it's Lewington at the end of the day. He's Mister Consistent, um, so I knew he'd get back to his best. It was more Ohora. I think it was more of a confidence um, with that long diagonal ball and. It was all on him. There was a few times, um, I believe it was Bishop, went up high with him and he was w- winning the Mariel duels. Just pleasing to see that. And it was more the physical side. I liked how physical our centre-halves were and um, long it may continue. Yeah, it's interesting point actually you made about the Warren and the long balls. I think Fisher had, I think it was 33 on the day. And I think that's the highest total he's had all season, definitely. It might even be beating last season numbers as well so it just shows you yeah like they changed the priority a little bit and you know with Fisher's heat map that we shared the other day you know they they put a bit of emphasis on him to you know separate it out and you know take the pressure off as Joe mentioned trying to beat that press and uh you know get us get our attacking players in the right positions and uh one of those players who's in tactics is Matt O'Reilly as you mentioned scores in you know two games in a row three either way he's playing really well at the moment and um, of course, there was you know, the links of him getting championship interest. Um, I'm very surprised as it's happened. Only spots it now, to be honest. You know, he's been a player who's been playing really well for absolutely ages, and it seems to be that the sale of Scott Fraser's got people to realise that. Even though he's been doing it for months and months, it's a bit strange. But Joe, I mean, you know, when you got bids in coming in for O'Reilly and things like that, it just shows you how good of a player he is. Well, it was. I mean, it was good of O'Reilly to maybe just uh, distinguish any interest with that own goal, perhaps, on, on deadline day. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that was what did it. But I think, yeah, I, I can't... The, the guy's... I think he's, he's up there for tackles in the league, in the league this season uh, for, for, in terms of players. And I think that that, that sort of... Um, here we are. Yeah, tackles one. I think he's one of the leading players in the league. And I think that's, you know, for someone that maybe we looked at as, as someone playing behind the striker last season, you know, I think it just shows that his shift in position has meant he's been able to be much more influential. You know, we mentioned last episode, um, 
that last season he was maybe, you know, he'd rely on McEachern or Sermon to get the ball to him. But now he's getting it from the defenders or from Fish, dropping that deep, you know, because if you look at his heat map, it, it was, um, you know, he was dropping deep, but he was also getting on the end of stuff in the, in, in the box as well. So he's a true definition of box to box at, at, at the moment. And it just means he can influence the game and actually it just he's just more involved and that's what you want from your better players you want your best players to be having the ball as much as possible and he, he dictates the play and even coming on against Burton it was just almost just like the tempo just went up a little bit it was just you know a little bit crisper and and, and just things like that and I think yeah I think um, we'll do very well to keep hold of him next summer that's for sure well hopefully it's the case of you know we're you know, we're, we're pushing up to the F restaurants of this league and, you know, who knows, maybe another league. Um, and, you know, it might have already of us. Of course, that's wishful thinking. But, hey, listen, I think I think January's going to be an interesting time and it's something to worry about then rather than now in terms of interest, I think. I think the interest is very silly and God knows what the bid was, but I was assuming it was something really stupid and minuscule that the club had their interest in. Um, okay. Uh, tonight, Watson's an interesting player. We'll transition a bit into the Burton game here as well, but I feel... He's been a player that I think has been a well, it's been topic especially in this podcast anyway, in terms of what he's done on the pitch. But I feel the Accrington game and the Burton game also, I think he's really shown what he's about. I think in both games he was pretty good in terms of his duels, ground and aerial, and uh, in terms of winning both of those. And so he's showing a bit of his defensive side, which you know, with with a Kyoso coming in, you know, a player who seems to be renowned for that side of the game, it's important that Snow Watson actually showed that. But I think also getting forward, he's starting to as mentioned, be a bit more braver um, and getting up there and be more advanced than the likes of Twine and, you know, getting to those areas where he can influence the game. So I don't know if either of you boys noticed it. I mean, Ross, I'll go to yourself. I mean, from watching the action and the Burton game, are you, are you impressed with tonight, Watson, the past couple of games? Or do you think, you know, Kyoso is going to be that guy to come in and uh, take his spot? I, I, I think Watson's just finding his feet and... I think it, it you can tell because of from his first performance at Bolton, yeah, he looked a bit shaky um, going forward and defensively, especially. And um, recently, yeah, he, he he is improving. But I feel like with with our team at the moment, because we've got so many individuals which are performing, it's quite easy to pinpoint the weakness of the team, and they do stick out like a sore thumb if they are playing bad. So it's it's. A, I find it a bit harsh to pinpoint that tonight's playing bad because he's not playing bad. I think it's more of an average a performance instead of a, a great performance. And I do feel like Watson, there is a good player inside him. And as you say, Liam, um, the runs he's making, it shows that he's, he's got the intelligence to make it. So um, I think, as I say, to just give him a bit of time and obviously having competition as well will make him even better of a player. So, yeah, as I say... Overall, I'm I'm pleased with Watson, but um, there are improvements to be made. Yeah, I mean Ross mentioned some improvements, Joe. I mean, are you in the same boat? And if so, where do you think those improvements are needed mostly? Yeah, I think he's. I don't think he's been bad in any of the games. I just think I think one thing which we noticed, which we I mean we've probably been saying about wing backs for the last year is. You know, in those final positions, sometimes it's just so frustrating seeing, you know, a wing back go through on goal. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's and I think that sometimes maybe that sort of side of it gets highlighted. And 
because of the positions that our wing backs take up, you know, a pass that they might misplace might be one where we, you know, we, we're in a really good position. And then if the ball goes astray, it's like, ah, you know, it, maybe it's a bit more disappointed than the, the disappointment than there normally would be. Um, I, I don't think, I think he's been fine. I think he did what really well in the Burton game, keeping Amari Patrick quiet, who I don't think really had a sniff all game. And, um, you know, just looking at his, you know, sort of just numbers and, and stuff, it's been, you know, fair, like sixes and sevens. It's been just consistent, it's fairly consistent, decent, but who's, you know, and also it's a new system. It's a new system as well. So uh, it's good to see that we've got, I do think that he will now be second choice behind Kyoso, uh, but it's good to see that he's a very dependable player and, you know, if I see him in the lineup, it's not. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, great, here we go. But because he's he's not done a bad job at all. When you know, we're 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 two points off of second place. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's early days. I know it's early days, but you know, we we've we've not. It's not as if we've been absolutely terrorised down that flank or anything like that. He's he's done well, but maybe you could just do with that little bit extra. Okay. Um... I suppose a good point to touch on for the Burton game also is the is front duo of Brown and Bird. Uh, of course, Mobile are picking up a slight knock against Accrington and Troy Power off of the Ireland national team. Uh, we're on those two up front against Burton. They got a job done. Of course, Jay Bird grabbing his goal, which, you know, if you watch preseason, you know, Jay Bird was having a good start to the season. That's what he does. Uh, top young prospect at the club. And of course, Charlie Brown, who's been eagerly waiting for his opportunity. And uh, by the sounds of it, he had a good game against Burton. Uh, so Ross, were you impressed with the front two against Burton that midweek? Yeah, really impressed considering they, have, uh, they haven't really had a competitive start this season, apart obviously pre-season. Um, Charlie Brown especially, um, he was getting in some really good positions. Uh, um, I believe he had a, um, he turned his man on the corner and he actually allowed Darling to be the poacher um, and pick up the goal. Um, so yeah, credit to them too, but. I feel just with the quality or and numbers we've got up top at the moment, it's going to be hard to see Bird or uh, Brown starting. And obviously, with injuries like this weekend, it, they've got to take the chance at the end of the day and make a statement. Because if they don't, obviously Manning's going to Manning's going to think, well, we'll give you the next cup game. So um, yeah, they've got to seize their opportunity. And um, I do feel especially like really bad like for um, Bird also because obviously he's scoring. He's just obviously not not getting a chance because we've we've paid the paid the dollar for obviously um, Isa and then Waters up top also someone who can be prolific at this level. So yeah, I just I just feel slightly a bit bad for Bird. That's all. Yeah, it's difficult with Bird because I think. I say, as I mentioned, we all know the quality he has. We watch pretty much every single game, including pre-season. So we've seen it for the past what, month or two now that he, you know, he's just a player in there, one hundred percent. But as you mentioned, Ross, you know, I think if it had not been for the injuries of Waters and now Isa, you know, there there is a potential chance that Jay Berg goes out on loan to a, a League Two or a National League club, but you know, has a really good season and comes back, and then you know, is is fitting uh, maybe pushing for the Dons. Uh, starting 11 but unfortunately he's probably going to be pushed out it's, it's a real shame because he's got such a good quality and um, yeah well hopefully he's going to get the opportunities 
in the cup competitions at the very least, and uh, continues to score goals. Um, Joe, is there any more standouts from you from the Burton game, or have we covered it all already? Um, yeah, I really liked um, Charlie Brown and, and, and Jay Bell. I think they complemented each other quite well. I think Charlie Brown, one of the best things he did was he was getting shots off, but they were on target and they were a few moments. And, you know, well, Harry Darling's uh, amazing finish comes <laughs> comes from, you know, Charlie Brown having an effort and, and, and having a good effort and forcing the keeper into an action. And the keeper didn't get it quite right. And as a result, we've scored. And he was, Jay Bird, he, was, he worked his absolute nuts off and fair play to the bloke. He, um, he, he, he was involved in 11 ground duels and won seven of them. So for a striker to be getting those sorts of numbers is, you know, really, really good stuff. He made three tackles as well. So I think that just tells you the sort of shift Jay Bird put in. And I think as well, one thing if, you know, Charlie Brown and Jay Bird, they've come in and, and put in those performances. It's going to be keeping Troy Parrott, Mo Issa and Max Waters on their toes because, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, even maybe, I don't know, Mo Issa or Troy don't score in two or three games, but if they're not working that hard, you know, if, if they're not also playing that well, you know, there's people to come in that will be chomping at the bit. And um, I think, it, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it just shows that, you know, we've got some real quality that can come in. And, you, you know, just looking at that team, it, there's only yeah, a couple of changes away and you'd be happy with that, you know, more than happy with that start in the league game. Um, so, yeah, really good to see the depth. Um, I, I, another thing as well, I quite like Aidan Baldwin. I think in ter- I can see that there's some real good things in his game. Like what I was watching when um, when Darling had the ball and when, you know, uh, the Kekran had the ball in the middle of the pitch, he was making really clever movements and runs to receive the ball. And, you know, he, he, he uh, completed 80 passes as well. It's just sometimes with Baldwin, he just maybe... It, that switch, the switch of play doesn't quite come off or, you know, from a throw-in, that his first touch isn't quite there. But for someone that hasn't been playing football week in, week out, that's understandable. So I think there's some... I know he's not the youngest, but in terms of playing experience, Baldwin doesn't have a, as much as a typical 24-year-old. I think there's some real good good uh, green shoots there with Baldwin. Plenty to work with. Yeah, plenty of positives from the week in general. Of course, two wins can't test that for you. Um, but I'm sure everyone else and the Dons in general are looking to make it three wins out of three. And that's where our focus turns next in Cheltenham Town. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing. So we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so the Dons are back on the road this weekend and are travelling to Cheltenham Town, which is a fairly short trip in general. But if you're not travelling by car, it's a bit of a pain in the ass to get there, to be honest. But we'll all be there. I believe we've sold just over 400 tickets now. It might be more than that last time I checked, but good following at the very least heading down to Milton or head to Cheltenham, sorry. Um, and Joe, uh, I believe you're taking us through Cheltenham Town today, so take it away. Yes, uh, so n- newcomers to the league, Cheltenham Town, um, I, I, and I think I feel I fear that I may be repeating some of the same sort of things I was saying in my Accrington preview. Um, so, but anyway, just bear with me. Um, so we've got Michael Duff in charge, ex Burnley man, um, very very good job he's done at Cheltenham. He's really stabilised them, and the last couple of years they were 
in with a shout of um, going up and quite unlucky not to. Um, so far, I mean, it's early days. They sit 17th in League One. They've got five points, having won one game um, and drawn two and lost two. And I believe the win was, uh, yeah, the win was actually against Ipswich. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they, it just goes to show that they, on their day, they can beat, you know, even the, the teams that are probably going to be up there come the end of the season. Um, they've scored uh, seven goals themselves, but they've also conceded nine. And uh, they currently sit on five points. Um, so, yeah, a, a decent enough start from them. In terms of um, just a few stats just for the start of their season, um, they don't actually concede many shots. The way they play, they, you know, the, the team teams, you know, it's, they're not going to be easy to break down. Only five teams have actually conceded fewer shots than Cheltenham. And um, they've, they've also had the fourth most shots per game in the six-yard box. And I think, you know, maybe some people who were following League Two last year may have known about the myth of Ben Tozer and his long throw. Um, but he's actually just gone to Wrexham. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure they'll have someone else that can throw the ball a long way. Um, but that is a, a threat to be very, very aware of. Um, and they've they're actually, uh, us and Cheltenham have both created quite a few chances in open play this season. We've got the fifth and sixth um, highest XG created in open play. Um and an area potentially that we could exploit is um, from set pieces. So we've actually scored three set piece goals ourselves this season. And um, Cheltenham have conceded four goals from set pieces this season so far, which I believe is, is, is up there with one of the highest in the league. So I think, um, you know, an improvement in set pieces from us this year has been very welcome. And hopefully it's maybe an area we can look to exploit. Um, another thing to mention as well is that... Um, they've got the third uh, highest um, passes allowed per defensive action. And that basically, it measures how a team presses or whether they like to sit back. So for that, it means that they're, they're sitting back a little bit more. So it means that, you know, if they if they sit back too deep, that they're, they're, we're going to be having a lot of the ball and we're going to hopefully, well, hopefully anyway, be able to, you know, break them down and, and play some nice football. Um, in terms of uh, personnel, it looks like they really do like to attack down the right-hand side. Uh, they've got uh, Blair, uh, Raglan, um, and then they've also got um, Wright in the, in the centre of midfield, um, who's quite an exciting player. Um, and then the, the captain and uh, probably their best player is Will Boyle. He's, he actually averages over seven aerial aerials one per game. So, uh, yeah, he's, you can tell what sort of centre-back he is. So, you know, they're not pushovers. Uh, they've scored a few goals this season. They've conceded a few goals this season. So, uh, you know, I think it's just one of them, again, if we put in the performance that we are capable of and defend our box, because our box will be will be attacked at set pieces and throw-ins, um, I, I think we'll come through okay. Yeah, thanks, that, George. Chowder are a really interesting team because it's weird how a team can be so good from set pieces in terms of scoring, but also bad at defending them at the same time. It's a, it's a it's a weird uh it's a weird concept that they've got going on there, um and Ross, I'm assuming you're going to perform some key players who potentially benefit off of that. Yeah, um, whilst last Friday I was watching uh, Cheltenham versus Bur Burton, thrilling game by the way. Um, I've never seen so many long balls in my life, but um, that, Man City not... Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, one individual which really um caught my eye was Alfie May. Um, he plays up top. But um, he's he likes to um, drop deep, 
and he, he doesn't mind carrying the ball at all. And if, as you say, Joe, if, if Cheltenham are sitting in that block, that deep block when needed, it, they're going to rely on someone to carry them out of it and bring them up the pitch at times. And Alfie May, he suits that to a T. Um, and then um, he's then they've got Callum Wright also in that right-hand side of that midfield. He's got three goals, one assist. He's actually on loan from Leicester. He's only 21 years of age and um, he's looking a real live wire for them um, at the moment, um, especially with um, them not scoring many goals. Um, but I've also noticed there's a weakness in that back line. Um, countless times, Sean Long's been, been uh, very rash and he's been caught out of place at times. And it's maybe something we can expose. And um, I know we like to play through the channels, especially Twine, um, to hopefully ISA um, through the channel. So it'd be interesting to see how they deal with that. Um, but also, I just wanted to um, highlight, um, we need to be wary, of, obviously, of the set pieces. Um, I know, obviously, we, we struggle to deal with the physical attributes. Yes, we've shown it at, at Accrington, but um, for this season, how many goals have we scored from set pieces? It's it's unheard of, really, isn't it? So, um, yeah, we just need to be wary of this. And, um, yeah, it's going to be another slog, I'd imagine, this uh, Saturday, for sure. Yeah, this game just feels built for Scott's point. You know, Chatham are poor defending set pieces. They're pretty poor against long shots. <laughs> and they're pretty poor against free ball attacks. I think if you could def- <laughs> yeah. And if you could I think if you could define Scott's one into three things, it probably is those three things. Um so yeah, I think he could have a bit of a field day to be honest if he's on his game. Um but yeah, that that PPDA stat you mentioned, Joe, is a really interesting one because um, I think you had the third highest, didn't you? I think the teams, the teams ahead of them are Cambridge and Lincoln um, and they both conceded a fair bit of chances or at least shots at the very least and the times they do get caught out from that. So I think teams like ourselves uh, could punish them quite a bit on that and um, that certainly played into my score prediction at the very least which we'll get on to now. Uh, but before we do that, uh, our lineups, as usual, uh, as always, make sure you go on to find the lineups. We're now, I think we're fourth in the club leaderboard. And of course, the top three from the m- month of August all won uh, free tickets to a Don's game of their choice. Uh, of course, our ones will be given away because I have seen tickets. I don't, I don't really, uh, unfortunately, don't need tickets, but we'll have plans for that, so don't worry. Uh, but congratulations to Luke and Mike, who... I'm sure we're looking forward to using theirs at a Don's home game. And if you want the chance to do that, all you've got to do is finish in a top three at Don's supporters on FanHub by the end of this month. Uh, and it will run over monthly. Um, so yeah, it's a great opportunity to go see a Don's game for free, courtesy of FanHub. Thank you to gents over at FanHub. Uh, and speaking of which, our FanHub lineups. Uh, Ross, why don't you kick us off with your Don's starting 11 for Cheltenham away? Yeah, so I've gone with usual Fisher in goal. And then the back three of O'Hora, Darling and Louie. And then I've gone with the wing backs of Watson and Harvey. Um, I just feel, obviously, I think it's a bit too soon um, for others to get inside. Um, and then um, in the deeper role, um, I've gone with Matt O'Reilly and Robson. Again, two players outstanding this season. You can't drop them at the moment. And then I've gone with uh, Twiney just ahead of them. And then I've gone with my one change, obviously, um, Parrot not being available. I've gone with Charlie Brown. I think he will suit this game. 
because of as Joe mentioned earlier, um, he was he was quite um, snappy with his shots, especially against Burton. And obviously, we're not going to have a lot of room against this Cheltenham side. And I think it's ideal um, if he's around the edge of the box. If he's getting them on target, he's working the goalkeeper. And if we're live and ready for the rebounds, who knows what. Um, and then I've gone with Mo aside him. Okay, pretty strong team, very strong team. So I'm assuming my wife will be fit then. I mean, it sounded pretty positive from Manning after Burton. So I'm assuming he'll be ready. I um, hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yes, that's the right answer. Um, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, just the one change for me from Ross's lineup. I've gone Jay Bird instead of Charlie Brown. Uh, I think what we saw of Jay Bird is what we typically see of Troy Parrott in terms of the work ethic, the the hard yards, essentially. And as you mentioned, with you know not having a lot of time, I think Jay Bird's need on the pitch to create that time. Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll be a bit of a, a bit of a hard slog for Jay Bird, but I think he will play with Moisa. And typically, when we see Charlie Brown on the pitch, it's typically for Moisa. So I think that might say a lot in terms of how Manning sees the dynamic of the strikers in terms of you know Brown is Isa's backup, and well maybe Bird is Parrot's backup, but obviously there hasn't been a situation where Bird's been on the bench and Parrot's there. But I think I think Burton kind of showed us that. So. I'm trying to play a bit of mind games there. I'm thinking Jay Bird's going to start, but I'm looking forward to seeing Charlie Brown starting alongside my ISA uh, on Saturday. Um, Joe, who have you gone with at front line alongside my ISA? Is it is it Brown or Bird for you? Neither. <laughs> Neither. Oh, different. okay. Um, I have gone Kyoso straight in as well. I think, um, as we mentioned, Kyoso is good in the air. He's physically good. He can. And I think that that is a position where, you know, it will be ex- it will be great having an extra, you know, big lad, so to speak, back and and for attacking set pieces. Um, so I've, I've gone Matt O'Reilly and Ethan Robson in the middle. I've then gone Scott Twine and Josh Martin playing off Mo Issa. Um, so I think in a game like this, we mentioned that they're going to be sitting off a bit. And I think that when that's going to be the case, I think the the thing that will play into their hands the most is, you know, playing balls from out wide, banging them into the box. I think what's you're going to want and what I think helped us against um, Accrington is to have runners on the ball. You know, people like Scott Twine and Josh Martin who are capable of taking on one or two, like two or three players at a time. And all of a sudden you've broke through their block and, it, you know, you could get behind them. Um I mean, maybe that's just what I'd like to see rather than what I think will happen. I probably think that it will be Charlie Brown coming in. Uh, well, Charlie Brown, I think it will be Charlie Brown coming in for um, for Troy. Um, and then if Ice's not fit, I could see Josh Martin playing as well. Um, that, it's, it's a tricky one because we could be without Parrot and Dyser. Uh, we just don't know. Um, so it's, yeah, it's almost an asterisk next to Isa. But I feel like if Isa doesn't play, he could change it all up. Just, you um, haven't heard like, any news on what is either. So, yeah. I think that might be a couple of weeks still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've gone for Kyoso and Josh Martin coming in. So, yeah, I mean, it might be a bit ballsy, but a little bit different. But I, I could, I, I'd be happy with it. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I say it's, it's always good to see different lineups, different thoughts from all three of us because it it provokes someone's going to be completely right, someone's going to be completely wrong. So it's it look forward to seeing who that is on Saturday. Um, speaking of which, uh, score-wise, gents, I was the only one to get a Don's clean sheet on Saturday. Uh, so look forward to keeping that good run-up. Um, I've got three one Don's. I think we've got the quality and the way that Cheltenham play, I think it's just uh, for us to absolutely spank them, to be honest. Um, I can't wait to be completely wrong, but I don't think much of this Cheltenham team. I've given them a goal because they seem to be scoring quite a few at the moment. Um, and, you know, we, we have seen in the past that this Don's team, you know, is, is liable to concede in a goal or two. Uh, but I think we can definitely score more than we concede on this occasion and take the three points back to Milton Keynes. Uh, so, Joe, what score, what score are we looking at for uh, Don's to be Cheltenham? Yeah, I've, I've also gone bang on with uh, 3-1. Uh, they've played five games five games in League One this season. Both All all of their games have had both teams scoring. Um, they, so they've scored in each of their games, but they've also conceded in each of those games. And in two of those games, they have conceded three goals. Um, so, yeah, I think it just... And, and you look at our, us, you know, we are a threat. We look like scoring every game. Um, and I think... If I think if if we get that first goal, I think that I think that's it done. Um, I think we saw against Burton some of the game management. Burton had a period where they just started absolutely pumping balls into our box, and but that lasted for about five minutes because we then just started just you know it was almost like a, a throwback to six months ago. We were just passing it around the back just for almost fun, just wasting time. Uh, Tonight, Watson twice going down under some absolutely pathetic challenges, which was absolutely fantastic to see. The Burton commentators were, all, were literally laughing at it because he was stood in like a corner, and, and and the Burton player just ran up behind him, and he was just he was just waiting, just waiting, just waiting, and then collapsed to the floor. And I think those sorts of traits are, are oh, I love it. It's great, and I think you know we saw it against Charlton as well. As soon as we went one uh, two one up. You know, there maybe wasn't as many chances for us to finish off the game as there was against Hackington. However, you know, Charlton didn't have a single thing after we went ahead. Like, genuinely, I cannot remember a chance they had. And that, I think that's more credit to us rather than them being bad. Um, so, yeah, 3-1. And like you say, there's goals to be had. And I think if we get that first couple of go- goal or two, then um, we, we, we can uh, make it a, a fairly comfortable afternoon. Yeah, I'm sure lots of Don's favourite will be happy to hear that. Uh, Ross, are you completing three wins out of three from us in terms of Don's on Saturday? Yeah, of course I am. I'm positive about Don's now. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I do feel like we've got um, we've got a bit of momentum now. I do feel like there's a bit of a buzz around the place. Obviously, the past few weeks, um, whatever it, it was, Um yeah, and I've I, I do feel like this is going to be similar to the Accrington game. Um, two teams, I, I I do feel like it's going to, it's going to be a slog, and it'll be whoever gets the first goal. I am hoping it it, it will be us, um, but I don't I don't feel like there'll be a lot of goals. I don't know why. I just feel um, I just feel like it's just going to be uh, nip and tuck. Um, so I've gone with two two nil, um, but I do believe these goals will come late on. Okay, so we're going to have a bit of... Uh, don't leave early, basically, what Ross is saying. Don't yes, leave early. definitely don't leave early. <laughs> okay, well, that uh, that rounds off nicely the latest episode of the Emmy for One podcast. Uh, thank you, gents, as always, for your time. And 
Kamaidons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.